it's almost like you get into these these different mindsets. Like if you've if you've won over and over and over again, maybe you're not even better than your competition, but you see yourself as better, and and that's the reason why you keep winning. That's in my video. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast, Power by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban. In this week's show, we're talking about gaining confidence from successful races, how to bounce back from injury setbacks, and whether you should continue that base training year-round. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. I've been doing a ton of traveling this summer, and Flow's single-serve drink mix tubes have been a staple of my go-to kit. They're easy to pack, fitting inside of an empty water bottle. Simple to use, just pop the top and pour it straight into your bottle. And best of all, these tubes are reusable, so you can go home and fill them for next time. Head over to flowformulas.com today and check it out using the discount code IgnitionPodcast10 for 10% off your first order. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions for the show, drop us an email at matchboxpodcast at gmail.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast or Matchbox Podcast listener form. All right, let's get into it. All right, all four of us back together. So this first question is a bit of an update with, with a question embedded into it. So this one comes from Tuesday. Uh, she says, I wrote in earlier this year about my A-race training and dealing with life's setbacks. It was so helpful to hear a female on the podcast when dealing with all the emotions that come with underperforming and everything else. The advice I was given helped me take a new look at my training and let go of a lot of stress that I was carrying. Although my FTP goals weren't achieved, my race ended up going exactly as planned and I snagged third overall and second in my age group in the 70-mile course. The weather was grueling, chilly and rainy the whole time, which I can concur, uh, and it was perfect for me. I really can't thank y'all enough for taking my question. This race made me wonder about two things. As a female in a mass start format, what are the best strategies to stay with the front group of girls when they all start to get spread out? I usually look for tattoos, helmet color, jersey, bibs, etc. But with the mud of this race, everyone looked the same and none of the girls seemed to uh, know their place in the race. Second, a few of the girls made comments that I beat some fast girls. While I received this with great compliments, that kind of made me think people were surprised that I could do so. How do you carry confidence into the next race where weather may not play play into your favor? I know I have those kinds of races in me, and I like to keep working in that direction. Thank you again, Tuesday. Wait, okay, oh, so go, wait, again? go over go over this person's criteria for determining who's fast and, or not. Uh, she doesn't say that. Um, what is she? You, you just read it. Yeah, and you yeah, weren't well, listening. <laughs> she said that. So, so there were after the race because she had taken third overall. After the mm-hmm. race, there were people who commented that she had beaten a lot of the fast okay okay girls okay in the before race. that before that before that what, what was she talking about with the tattoos and stuff that's she exactly does. what she, i was asking then the cri- yeah, what, what was she talking yeah, about you're trying she's to figure out to, who's fast she, she, or not like, no, no she's trying to figure out no, she's which trying to take of, a note of, of the, the women are women yeah mm-hmm. because it's yeah. because it's men and women mass start Correct. So she's yeah. trying to like figure out which ones are who am I yeah. racing against? Exactly. So yes. you know, she starts off. She doesn't know if she's having a good race or a bad race because she can't tell who's who. You know, mm-hmm. there's there might be fifty people in front of her, but how many of those are uh, women in her in her race? Okay, gotcha. 
I mean, I think that the only one of us that deals with this is Caitlin. (laughs) Yeah, and I haven't found a way to figure that out. Um, Nine times out of ten, if I'm in a mass start race, I'm surprised to hear what place I'm in because most of the time I have no idea. (laughs) Hmm. Um, I don't know how many women are in front of me or how many are behind me, and it's always a surprise when you come up to someone, oh, they have a ponytail, okay, cool, there's... There's another woman, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so Drew used to have a ponytail. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was about to say ponytail isn't always a deter- like determining factor. Yeah, looking at the race start list, you know that may or may not help if you know there's a sponsor and the kit that matches the sponsor. Um, just taking note of um, how many total are in the race and how many you've, you've passed right at the start, and if somebody passes you, then that obviously gives you an idea of where you're at but i was about to say the hardest part would be the start because you don't even know how many women are are ahead of you before the race even starts like maybe you're pretty far back in the grid you're like i mean so then you just you're totally clueless like you have no idea how many women are Mm -hmm. at least if they do a separate start Mm -hmm. you know even if it does get all mixed up at least you kind of know at the start line who your competition is, even if it's like mm-hmm. 30 seconds behind the men or something, so they can still race together. At least you're a little bit more aware of here's my competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caitlin, yeah, do so you this, prefer- this, this, this topic comes up quite a bit, you know, it, as of the last couple of years, because of the mass start effect of gravel racing and, you know, how do we, how do we still make sure that the women get their own race in these mass start formats and she brings up something that i think is interesting that i've never considered and that's like part of the emotion and caitlin you kind of touched on this too the the emotion of like not knowing where you're at in the race and how how foreign of a concept that kind of is to me and probably you guys too um Mm -hmm. you know you could be doing really well but if there's 50 guys up the road and you're not sure where you're at placing wise in the race that could that could really tank your emotions because now you like you're getting discouraged like there's so many people ahead of you even though like you know you're not racing against them it's hard to judge like how you're actually performing relative to your competition uh and that's something i've Mm -hmm. never i i haven't really considered it from that regard like you know the emotions that are felt from having so many guys up the road even though you're not competing against them because it just it muddies the waters of like knowing where you're where you stand within the race Mm-hmm. What's frustrating is finishing and realizing that the next woman ahead was actually a lot closer than you expected. Um, that's happened before, but I don't have a ton. I'll be honest. I don't have a ton of experience with this. This is something that I would expect would be much more difficult in mass start gravel races, but in XC racing, you're racing against women. You're racing against your category in road racing. You're racing against your category in mass start mountain bike, like ultra endurance mountain bike races. It's a lot easier to put yourself in, you know, most of the time it's self-selected on the start line. Um, so that way you kind of take inventory of everyone that's there. Um, but a mass start gravel race, if you're in different waves or if you're in different corral positions, yeah, that's, it would Caitlin, be. Caitlin, would really you, tough. so do you think your preference, what, what would your preference be to have mass start gravel races or to have a separate women start at a gravel race? Oh, I feel like I shouldn't answer that because I haven't done a huge master at gravel race. Because that's like a hot hot topic amongst women gravel racers. Yeah, for sure. It seems like it's pretty mixed, actually. 
like some really like the mass start and some really want women to have their own start. Yeah. I feel like I would get heat either way, but I don't think you would get heat. I mean, I think it's, I think think it's a pretty evenly mixed thing. So I just, I feel for the race promoters that would have to figure that out. Like I can see how that would be extremely challenging. Um, Mm -hmm. unless it was on like two separate days. Um, there's definitely some race promoters that screw it up royally cough, cough, crusher in the tusher. <laughs> How so that I, I think, I mean, I, I think there's also a hybrid approach here because kind of like Drew, Drew mentioned when it's mass start, but it's also a free for all on the, uh, you know, in the, in the corral or, you know, on the grid, then, then you like really don't know where you stand from mile zero. Whereas if they at least had like a women's corral, but it was, it was all the same start time. Then, then you'd at least be able to more easily from the start, I would think, uh, kind of help decipher where the women are at within the group. I think, uh, Barry, I think Barry Roubaix does this. They, they think everybody starts at basically the same time. Maybe there's like little increments in between, but they, they have a lot of different corrals. Um, I think they do a pretty good job at it. I'm going to throw, I'm having another answer to your question, Dylan. I'm going to say, I think I would still prefer a mass start simply because the fields of women are so small that I would Mm. rather hope that there are groups of men that I can at least work with and enjoy my race than be out there for miles by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought of that, that yeah, you'd end up racing a lot more by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That is something I have experienced with mountain bike racing. It's nice to know that there there's a chance that when it gets spread out blown up that like i can come up on another group yeah my my first thought to this question was i remember racing actually barry bay one year and i'd gotten a flat or something and so i was behind the main group and so i was just like time trialing to the finish and uh, i look back and there's like these two guys on my wheel and they're yelling at me we're in the master's race don't worry about us. And they basically, they were saying, we're not pulling through because we're just going to sit here and draft you. Cause we're not even in your race. And I was like, whatever, I don't even care. Uh, and I, it made me think like, what if you, if my first thought was like, how do I determine who the women in the race are? Like every group you come up, you just yell, who are you in the women's race? And like, I mean, I guess people could lie to you, but that's also, we could probably just look and find out. Yeah. <laughs> what was the second part of this? Uh, what is the second part of her question? It's like carrying confidence to each event. Um, hmm. So right? she was yeah. pumped that she was third, and she's not sure if she can continue to have results like that, barring the weather. Is that what it was? Something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more so. You know, this was this was such a an, like a, a big achievement for her. It's you know, how does she carry that confidence into the next race? You know, and and hold hold that confidence despite whatever the conditions are. So I think Tuesday saying that, you know, this particular race, because of how muddy it was and maybe how treacherous the weather was, it kind of played in her favor. Um, so, yeah, you know, I would say that definitely, she, yeah. that definitely speaks to her work ethic because we had a question from her earlier on when she wasn't sure that she was even going to have a race season and she was super bummed about that, but obviously she did something right and has overcome these things. So I mean, just knowing that you did that (laughs) Um, and should something else come up in a race, like you can bank, like you have these experiences to draw from in the bank that like you have overcome these things before. Um, What 
what else was yeah and, and, and what I would add to that so and this actually kind of plays into the first question a little bit too you, you took third so you like you you have that result to lean on I mean uh, assuming you don't just like you know sit on the couch for two years and completely lose fitness like you, you'll always have that result to lean on and validate yourself with so like have the confidence to slot up further in in the in the grid you know that way it gives you a better chance to see where the other women are have that confidence going to the start line knowing that like hey i've been here i've done this i've achieved this you know th- this level this result and it doesn't matter what the conditions are. It's, it's how you prepared going into it. All you can do on race day is do the best that you can with whatever preparation level you've come into the, into the race with. So all you got to do is just keep going, you know, go back home, take that confidence, make sure you keep putting in the work. And then you'll always have that, that, you know, third place in your back pocket to remember like, Hey, I've been here. I've done this before. You know, I've beaten some of these gals. Like sure. The conditions might've been different, but, uh, who knows? I mean, th- I, th- I think, the harder the conditions are, the more the mental fortitude and kind of grit comes out. And, you know, that, that can play into like, you know, a super hot race or like a super technical race, or, you know, there, there's just different scenarios where that grit, you know, conquers basically all, um, you know, so, so carry that, that confidence in, in who knows what the conditions will be, but it, it could be different circumstances in the same outcome because you have that, like Caitlin's talking about that work ethic and, and preparation coming in, but also that mental fortitude, you know, during the race and the, the, you know, carry that confidence with you. To Terry, uh, to Terry Page out of Dylan's book, I did a video once uh, <laughs> about confidence, and uh, some of the big like takeaways from the video were the number one thing that's going to improve your confidence is your competence. So like. Uh, confidence is feeling like you're good at something competence is actually being good at something and it Mm. sounds like uh she's pretty good at riding her bike so seems like the competence is there um but there's also like two uh two ways to gain competence um and that's in race or in competition performance and out of competition performance so she's starting to you know bank some in race competence like she's starting to get some good results but it sounds like she's kind of on shaky ground there she can also rely on her out of competition competence aka her training um when you're really when you feel really good about your training and you know your training is like solid and you've put in the time and it's structured and all that kind of stuff that can also give you confidence on the start line of the next race and so i think those two things and then another thing i wanted to mention was this idea that kind of hovers around confidence and it's this idea of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you only tell yourself you're, you're good when the conditions are muddy or wet, um, there's something like in your brain, I think that like triggers this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of like, okay, well then, then she doesn't go into the dry races as confident as she should be. And it kind of ends up being not that good because she didn't race. She didn't race the way she should have because she wasn't confident so it ends up becoming true, even though it might not actually be true. Um, it's just the way that she's thinking about it. So I don't really like it when people categorize themselves as a specific style of rider. Like in cyclocross, you hear about it all the time. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a mutter uh, or something like that. Like, it's like when the when the conditions get real sloppy or muddy, you you perf- you perform really well. Um, you know, maybe there is some truth to that, but I just don't like 
categorizing that because then every other race that you go to that's not muddy, like what are you going to think? Are you going to think, oh, well, today's not my day. The race hasn't even started. So you're kind of like taking yourself out before the race even starts. So I, I personally try not to like do those categorizations. I just kind of tell myself I'm good at it all or at have least you, mediocre at it all. Have you ever Lucky seen, you, Drew. <laughs> have you ever seen uh, somebody say, oh, I'm not a sprinter, so they they literally just don't even try in a sprint finish? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, at, least yeah. Try, at least you try, Dylan. Uh, yeah, at least I try. <laughs> even if you're not a sprinter, you should still like, you should still try to win the sprint. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that goes to what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I, there is, uh, I, I should probably do a video on confidence because I actually have read a little bit of research on it. Um, yeah, like the, um, I don't know if this is a saying, but like winners, winners continuing to win is actually a real thing in life. Um, and losers continuing to lose. Um, and it's almost like you get into these, these different mindsets, uh, like if you've, if you've won over and over and over again, maybe you're not even better than your competition, but you see yourself as better. And, and that's the reason why you keep winning. That's in my video. Okay. <laughs> I'll go watch it before I do my video. Yeah. Drew, yeah. Drew send, send me the link and I'll drop it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> More views. Yeah. So Tuesday, keep like- it up. It's uh, oh, go ahead. You have more to add, Kaylin? Oh, I was going to take us down a rabbit hole, but I'll keep it quick. I promise. So Tyler Cloutier actually, Tyler Cloutier actually shared this on his Instagram stories. I don't know if you've seen it. It was a little clip from Andrew Huberman. Um, he has a great podcast. He's like a neuroscientist at Stanford. And he was like, there was this study done on children where they gave, um, two groups, a series of problems and told they both completed them. And one group was praised. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, this is great. Like just smart. Um, uh, just like encouraging them that way. It's in this book. book. (laughs) Holding. Okay. And then the other group was praised on the effort that they put forth. And then they did it again. And the kids that were praised for being so smart actually did more poorly than the kids that were praised on effort. So I feel like it kind of relates to Tuesday. Like, regardless of the weather, acknowledge the effort that you put forth in that race. And like, that is something to be praised. And like, that is something that you know you can take to each race, regardless of the weather, regardless of the circumstances. So, yeah. 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 And we, Dylan, we, we've talked about this, uh, you know, multiple other times as far as the level of competition that, you know, in the U S now with, with the lifetime grand prix and all these other big races that, that everyone has just elevated the competition so high that if you just look at your results, which would be, you know, like if, if someone's telling you like, Hey, you had a really good result versus someone, you know, looking at your performance objectively, like, Hey, you had a really good performance. You had a really good effort. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the effort doesn't, it, it may not bring on sponsors or opportunities, things like that. But it, but, but if by praising your own efforts and looking back objectively, I'm like, Hey, like I even, I had a really good race despite what the result sheet says. Like, that's what helps motivate you going into training and, and to keep putting in the work versus like, if you're just looking at the result sheet, like it can be really easy at times to discount yourself, uh, despite having a really good you know performance on the day. Um, yeah. and that, that can, that can play a detriment to your overall you know training trajectory. 
And that's exactly what you're saying here, Caitlin, is like, you know, regardless of, you know, like, like this race, you know, Tuesday had the outcome that she was hoping for, you know, third place, that's awesome. But on paper, you could have the exact same day and the outcome is just slightly different, but the effort's still the same, right? Like you still put in the work, you still like, you know, had the great performance during the race. And like, there should be praise that's awarded to that versus just looking at the result sheet. And I'm guilty of this. I'm sure you guys are guilty of this too. Like, it's so easy to look at where your name's at on that result sheet and try and, you know, validate or, you know, invalidate your, your performance that way. But then you, you also have to have that objective outlook of like, okay, well, let's, let's break down. Like, how did my effort actually go? Yeah, that's a big one I've been on lately, looking at your performance objectively. Nice. All right. You guys want to move next on? Next Yeah. Sure. Okay. okay, this next one comes from Tony. It says, once the race season starts, do you continue with base training in between races? I had a good base built during the winter and was doing events out here or here and there, like Rock Cobbler, BWRs, hard group rides, crazy routes on Strava, etc. Now I'm either smashing rides at tempo or d- tempo plus or doing recovery rides, but no real base training. Is this mirroring the on-off season in a way? I, do you build your base during the off season and then use up all of that base during the on season? Or do you continue to, to build your base once the race season has begun? Uh, thanks for taking a look at this, Tony. My first question is why are you riding only tempo or recovery? Seems no, like tempo plus like still <laughs> tempo and above effort level. <laughs> so he's only, okay. That's, that's a huge red flag why are you only riding tempo or above or recovery maybe he only rides three or four times a week but i see what you're saying where's where's you're saying where is your endurance rides is what dylan did he actually say that at the beginning like he's not doing yeah okay yeah he says that you know during the season he's either smashing rides at tempo or above or doing recovery rides but no real base training so, okay, so yeah, yeah. I I see all the time people people kind of they'll they'll call zone 2 training base training and they just kind of use those interchangeably and they're like, "Oh, you know, sh- oh, uh should I be getting in base miles during, you know, during my build block or something?" Um which I you know, I don't I don't necessarily see a problem with that because in a way it kind of is building your aerobic base, but it I guess it's important to realize that base training or zone two training is not only for the base period of your training. In fact, the majority of your training should be zone two or what some people refer to as base training all year long. Um, Even in your build block, when you're trying to do higher intensities and maybe your volume is coming down a little bit, still the majority of your training should be zone two. So, yeah. you know, for example, if this guy is if this guy is actually only doing tempo and above or recovery rides, I, I think that's a huge problem, and I think he needs to address that. And if his question if his question is should I be including, he uses the word again. He uses the word base training here, but if he if what he means by base training is zone two training. And his question is, should I be including zone two training in my build period or in the race period? The answer is absolutely. You need to fix that immediately. Agreed. Yeah. And, and t- Tony, you know, asked the question at the end, you know, are, should you like, should, should you build your base in the off season and then you use up that base during the season? 
and the answer to that is if if your training is this is structured this way where you're only doing tempo and above or recovery rides like basically every ride is either an intensity session or a recovery ride then yeah you probably will use up that base because eventually what's going to happen is you're just going to get burnt out so it's not necessarily that like that base fitness is going away it's that your body can't keep up with all of the uh with all of the like nervous system stress that you're you're compiling and, and compounding over the season. Um, you know, so, so that's part of why, like the reason, the reason, like, you know, you call it traditional base one, maybe base two, like you're doing a lot, a lot, a lot of low intensity training. It's to build that aerobic capacity without over stressing your autonomic nervous system. And you're saving that stress for later in the season when it actually matters to have that, that higher end fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, but, even when you get into the build period, I mean, just like a typical build week, I, I still think should only have two intensity days in it, um, which may not sound like a lot, but those intensity days should be the priority of the week. You should be very well rested for those days. Um, hopefully you're doing those days in ideal conditions, meaning, you know, it's not too hot, uh, you know, if we're talking about altitude, hopefully maybe you can get down to a lower altitude to do them even better. Um, and you're doing them in a well-fed state, a well-rested state, all of that. Those intensity sessions really need to take priority, but that still means that most of your rides in the week are just zone two rides. Um, and, and yeah, this, uh, he doesn't say how often he's doing intensity rides. If he's doing intensity rides like four times a week, I'd probably say that he's going to get burnt out. If he's only doing intensity rides two times a week, but the, the rest of the rides are recovery rides, then in that case, I would say he's probably going to lose fitness um, because he's, right. he's not, <laughs> those recovery rides should be bumped up to zone two. Yeah, if you're if you're training less than five times a week, you don't need recovery rides. Like just just cut those out. Recovery rides are really for the people that are training six, maybe seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you need that day where like you're you're just going easy. But if you're only doing you know three to five workouts a week or three to five rides a week or even just days of training a week, you really don't need recovery rides. I agree with that. Cool. Next one. Yeah, let's hit one more. Okay, this one. This one comes from uh, Bonk Bros super fan Daniel. So this is Daniel. Alrighty, uh, this is the Matchbox too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Daniel from the Bonk Bros again. Three months ago, I peaked for my A race in May, and my CTO was eighty, and I hit all time power numbers. This was this was for uh, uh, what's the race in Heiko? Gravel numbers. Yeah. I hit all-time power numbers from following a disciplined training program throughout the winter and the base season. However, I was diagnosed with a hernia and had to cut back on racing and high-intensity work and eventually got the surgery recently and am now back on the bike. Today, my um, my estimated FTP from WKO5 is down approximately 25 watts, hasn't been tested, uh, and his CTL is down to is down 50 watts or 50 TSS per day. So down to 30. Should I go for another peak this year and try to go to a race like unpaved or the new grassroots gravel race in Pueblo? Uh, I think it was originally going to be another gravel low coast, but they had to cancel something or another, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
or should I think about 2024 at this point? How do fast people snap back from surgery after being limited slash off the bike for a couple months? Can I still peak again this season in less than 90 days? Regards, Daniel. So basically he's asking, so, you know, this question wow. uh, was from this week. You know, he's basically asking, like, is there enough time for him to rebuild enough fitness to have a second peak for the season? Or should he just start focusing on, on next season's training? Well, speaking from personal experience, because I obviously went through the very similar experience, was off the bike for like almost six weeks, pretty much, um, from the wrist. I hadn't quite peaked yet. You know, I was looking to like try to peak in or like now. Uh, so, but I did have some like pretty good races right before I broke my wrist. Um, and so for me, I think it's like a question of, in my head, I feel like I got like half my season robbed from me. So I'm definitely eager to race some more this year instead of like waiting until 2024. So I'm in the boat of like mentally I'm super fresh and I want to race. So I think you have to ask yourself from a mental perspective, like, do you still want to race this year or are you okay with waiting till 2024 and just training? And that's like a personal choice. I mean, I think it could go either way. I think he's got, I think he does have time because I'm in the exact same boat. I think me and him both have time to get enough fitness to do pretty well in some late season races. Like I'm targeting some big races in October and November. Dude, maybe, so. maybe Daniel needs to go to that BWR Mexico. Yeah, come on, Daniel. Let's go to Mexico <laughs> together. Um, I'll throw in a free ignition jersey for you to race in if you come. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm targeting some late races like the BWR Mexico race possibly and Big Sugar, which is like the end of October. And I think from now till then, I've got plenty of time to train and get get ready for that. And then also take a short break before I kind of ramp up the training for 2024 as well. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of, I think you go either way, honestly. And that's kind of the neat thing I think about bike racing is it's almost turned into a year round year round thing to where you could really target racing kind of whenever you want to. Um, but the danger of that is like over racing and not taking a good break. So I think that's a definite, like if you are going to peak this year or do some late season racing, uh, definitely still take that break in between this year and next year. Um, so you don't end up burnt out, you know, midway through 2024. Yeah. Were you really, really off a couple of months though? I thought you were on the trainer just like holding your wrist out. I thought you were still yeah, riding. The pictures that you saw me on the trainer were, were, were the only times I were on the trainer. <laughs> I just didn't like okay. riding the trainer that much. So I only did it like a handful of times. Uh, and I didn't feel, I don't know. It didn't feel that good anyways. So like I did a lot of running to try to maintain fitness. I did run quite a bit. Um, but I, I feel like just in the last week or two, my training is like finally gone back to like a normal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like he referenced his CTO numbers and mine, mine dropped like basically the same amount that his did about 30 points, if not more from the time that it took off. And that's even including like the running and stuff that I was doing. Yeah. I think it's important to consider both the, how much time you actually took off. And if it was off, off with a hernia, I don't know what the recovery looks Mm. like, but I can imagine you probably can't do too much. Um, and then how much time and he, to the event and he said 90 days, but what was the 90 days in reference to a specific event that he wants to do? Uh, so 90 days would be about three months. So mm-hmm. yeah, he has an event on I mean, here the end of 
October in Pueblo, Colorado. Okay. I feel like everybody's different, but three months seems like a long time, but you don't want to, you know, start full out like and try and be a superhero either. So there is a build back up that needs to happen. Um, yeah. I'd say, I say go so, for it. So, I mean, qu- question for Drew, Drew yeah, Drew and D- Dylan for you guys, you know, or Caitlin too, like how much knowing you've only got 90 days, so three months, how much time would you f- focus on trying to build back up like that base, you know, or build back up to high volume versus just trying to, uh, jump back into intensity? Assuming I mean, he's fully recovered yeah, I mean, and his body can handle the intensity. I would use three weeks of that. So like a typical three-week build, one-week rest, and you're just like focusing on getting your volume back up. Yeah, I mean, it's probably – yeah, it, I would say that if he's if he's coming from no training, then, yeah, I mean, it's probably three weeks to a month of, you know, building the training – slowly back up till he gets to his normal volume. And then he's going to have two months of kind of normal training, in which case I would probably Mm -hmm. do maybe one month that looks like a base training month. And then the, that last month would look like a build month. So it's like, it's kind of like you've got one month of base and one month of build, which is not ideal, obviously. But um, what I was going to say is I, I would, I, I don't see any reason not to race at the end of the season. And I think that more racing experience is going to help you Mm. with racing down the line, even if you're not in the best shape you could possibly be. Agreed with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like exactly what I was thinking this morning. I just booked my flight and everything for BWR Utah. And that's only in three weeks from now. And like, I still can't like straight my finger or (laughs) I don't know if I can ride off road or not, but I'm hoping in three weeks I can, but I was also thinking like that's another BWR or another gravel race start that I'll get before because like I'm really targeting Big Sugar because I really need to beat Dylan at Big Sugar. <laughs> so if I get more gravel races experience from now till then, that's going to benefit me at my like big race later on, like Big Sugar when I'm going to yeah. smoke Dylan. Yeah, because he's and, out doing like Leadville and stuff. Yeah, and and, and, and unless you make the mistake of like not taking an off season, you know, or, or little, you know, end of season break because you feel behind whatever, whatever you build up fitness wise for, for this race that you're going to, you know, quote unquote peak for at the end of the season. It's not like that's going to compromise next season's training. Like it's just going to carry over. And if anything, give you a little bit of a, of a head start uh, mm-hmm. towards building for next year. So, so I, I, I a hundred percent agree. I think, uh, and it gives you motivation to, to continue and get back into training now versus, you know, if, if you're waiting till 2024, you know, some people put, uh, you know, goals on their calendar a year, 18 months in advance. And it, it can be hard to get focused and, and stay motivated for that long. This is literally why they invented cyclocross was because there was too big of a gap sure. between the road seasons. So they were like, we need to race our bike in the fall. So they created cyclocross as like a fun way to uh, <laughs> race your bike in the winter to kind of keep that motivation rolling year round. Um, and it's pretty obvious from Wout Van Aert and Matthew Vanderpool and these guys who are like top cyclocross racers that it doesn't seem to be hindering them come next road season, as long as you're being smart about when you take breaks and stuff. Right. Oh, Sweet. I don't, I don't see any downsides to, to racing. It's really easy to say, well, like my training hasn't been perfect. I had this setback, um, kind of like how we were talking about with Tuesday earlier, but you can, 
you know, show up and have a great performance. Um, so, yeah, actually the book that, uh, I referenced is called mindset. I just realized like people who are listening to this, who are most people wouldn't have seen me hold up the book. It's called mindset (laughs) by Carol Dweck, uh, who's a researcher on what she's termed the growth mindset, uh, which is exactly what Caitlin was talking about. Um, and there's two different mindsets, just a quick summary of the book right now. Uh, there's two mindsets, the fixed mindset and growth mindset. The fixed mindset is every performance that I go into is a determinant on how good I am or how successful I am, which is like, has obviously some pretty bad ramifications. If you have a bad race, then you just think you're a failure. But she argues for this thing she calls the growth mindset, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about, but maybe they can't quite define it. The growth mindset is every experience is a learning experience because every time you show up to a race, it's going to make you better for future races. If you can glean what you can from those races and say, okay, today may not have been, I didn't win or it didn't go as good as planned, or maybe I'm not as fit as I want to, but this, this opportunity right now today at this race can just be another way to continue developing yourself as an athlete. You have to always can think of your athletic identity as like this. It's a continuing development thing. Like, uh, even the best people in the world have room for improvement. And that's how, that's how you should tackle every race is like, okay, I do want to perform and win, but I also want to learn as much as I can and grow from this for future races. For sure. Uh, I'll add one more thing and then, and then got to shut it down. But, uh, we all have had bad races. We all know that not every race is going to go perfect, but sometimes races do go perfect. So, in my mind, the more races you can fit into your schedule reasonably, like without overdoing it, uh, the better you, the better your odds are of having that one or two race that go really well throughout a season versus putting all of your eggs in that one or two race basket basket. And, you know, chances that something's going to go wrong are, are pretty high. Uh, you know, so, so I, I, a hundred percent agree with, 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 you know, with that approach and you might surprise yourself coming into a race with not as much fitness as you hoped, but if everything aligns, you could have the result that you were never even expecting. And, and that's what, you know, and that's part of what having that race experience and, uh, you know, more of those race days in your season helps to just better those chances that, you know, you are going to have a handful of those outcomes that you're you know really hoping for, uh, throughout the season. Yeah. Dylan, keep, keep sprinting. Eventually the stars will align and you'll win a sprint. <laughs> I have one of your sprinting approach. Your your sprinting approach will be like Thomas Edison and the light bulb. He found out a thousand ways how not to create the light bulb, <laughs> and Dylan Johnson is going to find out a thousand ways how to lose a sprint. Yeah, but you're going to win one. I, All right. I, well, let, let's uh, let's shut it down there. I got to go. I got to. All right. Before Drew and I get into it. <laughs> yeah. Good point. All right. We'll see you guys. See ya. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title, the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn more about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go. Let's go.